podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with female founders in their teens, 20s and 30s dotted all over the UK and ask them to open up to me about absolutely everything that they've had to push through, both in front of and behind the scenes, the good, the bad, and the more often than not, oh so ridiculously challenging to get to where they are with their businesses today. Before I introduce today's guest, I'm very pleased to say that the tickets for the first She Can She Did Midweek Mingle Roadshow of the Year, which will actually be the last roadshow for a good few months, as I've made the decision to put the roadshows on pause, whilst I focus wholly on getting the long-term plans for She Can She Did off the ground this year. A decision which I will of course explain properly in one of my rambling business journey slash updates blog posts for you all soon, I'm sure. But anyway, the tickets for March's Midweek Mingle Roadshow go on sale in the next few days so if you would like to join me along with some incredible female founders in London, Brighton and Cardiff for an evening of honest chit chat about the realities of launching and running a business plus the opportunity to celebrate International Women's Day in style throughout next month please do look out for the details in the coming days I am so determined to make this roadshow the very best yet with some collaborations I'm genuinely pinching myself about lined up for you all so it goes without saying that I'd absolutely love to see you there if you can make it. The details will all be revealed on the She Can, She Did website shortly, if so. Anyway, back to the task in hand that is introducing this week's podcast guest, who just so happens to be the founder of a brand that I've had my eye on since day one of She Can, She Did. The creative genius that is Lucy Elliott, co-founder of the Bedfordshire-based Creighton's Chocolatelui. I was absolutely horrendous at French, so I have absolutely no doubt that I have butchered the pronunciation of that. But you get the gist. Creighton's Chocolatari. It's a chocolate company. (laughs) Uh, Stocked in over 200 stores worldwide, including the prestigious Harvey Nicks, Liberty London and the National Portrait Gallery here in the UK. And collaborated on limited edition chocolate bars with the likes of Lazy Oaf, Bonnie Mob, the V&A Museum and my personal favourite, the You Can Bar which Creighton's released in partnership with the Young Women's Trust for International Women's Day last March. Creighton's Chocolaterie was launched by Lucy and her mum Andrea in 2011 and combines irresistible and unique flavours, the crunchy noodle Raymond chocolate bar comes to mind, with quirky trend-led packaging that, quite simply, when you see it, makes Creighton's stand out from the crowd. In Lucy's unbelievably funky house, complete with bright yellow front door, hot pink staircase and a dog called Onion who also happens to be wearing a pink bow, I caught up with her in her Bedfordshire home mid-January to delve deeper into her story, launching, building and sustaining the company to date. From her tendency to never play by the rule book or limit her ambition for the brand and how that shaped the whole ethos behind Creighton's to date, why she opted to open a chocolate shop on Leighton Buzzard High Street nine years ago and how she navigated closing the shop last year to focus on the ever-growing demand for orders and collaborations, to her candid take on the financial realities of running Creighton's, why she's overhauled her approach to tackling the business accounts in the past two years as a result, plus her refreshingly honest take on becoming a new mum alongside running the business four years ago and why sometimes she feels like she's not doing the best job at both. Her honesty throughout this chat will resonate with many of you, as it did with me a number of times, I'm sure. So as always, I really, really hope that you enjoy the natter. Lucy, I feel like when I drove down the road, it was so obvious that you lived here. Like the pink car, the yellow door, it's everything I wanted the owner of a chocolate shop's <laughs> house to look like. It's yeah. amazing. If you want me to do a tumble out of the door yeah. as you bring it back? <laughs> Like Willy Wonka yeah. style. And it just gets better as you... I mean, you have a pink staircase, the dog's wearing a pink bow, I can spy an orange armchair, you've got a hanging thing right here. I'm literally in interiors heaven, this yeah. is amazing. It's my outside of work passion, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, something that's not involved drawing on paper and 
yeah. packaging. So it's yeah. uh, nice to have an outlet. Absolutely. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Can you tell us what your business is all about in your own words and we'll go from there? So we started in 2011 and the concept was that we felt that there was a gap in the market in the food industry for a chocolate bar or chocolate brand that was really high quality and had really interesting flavours and high quality ingredients, but had a bit more of a fun approach to the packaging mm. and kind of the whole brand and the way it looked on the shelves basically I just felt that the chocolate industry had lots of really great products but in quite kind of stuffy high-end luxury packaging and I wouldn't personally buy myself even though I'm a massive foodie so yeah I just felt that there was a definite gap in the market something a bit more fun a bit more tongue-in-cheek and a bit more novelty I guess but still maintaining that kind of high-end ingredients and handmade element to it yeah because I'm guessing nine years ago in terms of the way like the foodie market like the independent foodies I feel like that's so recent well I mean maybe I'm just completely naive but like from 2014-15 it seems to have just rocketed but if we're talking 2011 yeah I'm trying to think that was just when I was at uni I don't remember yeah anything really like you had your bog standard Cadbury's and Galaxy yeah and and I think it was definitely emerging more and obviously social media and the ability to self-advertise has really helped smaller brands kind of come out of what they were doing beforehand it must have been pretty hard so yeah I think that it was a bubbling and I think actually how it started for me or how I kind of picked up on this idea of kind of independent food brands being more visual I suppose is from things like Pinterest and blogs so at the time before I started and the company I was working in a retail store part-time as well as doing graphic design as a kind of day job and me and my friend who worked there basically just used to when there wasn't customers sit and just scroll through people's blogs in America mainly so Mm. people like Elsie Larson from Beautiful Mess. I'm guessing I don't know who she is but really elaborate or just very kind of heavily photographic and colourful mm. and lots of kind of illustrators that were featured on there just like very much magpie kind of design I guess it just felt a lot more accessible to us as very recent graduates working in a retail brand than the art that was around at uni so like in art galleries and it was just kind of more on our level I guess mm. and really appealing to me that yeah. I hadn't seen anything like this before it when just I, spoke to you basically. yeah it spoke to yeah. me and when I was at uni which wasn't that long ago Facebook had just started Twitter was not really about Pinterest had only just started as I finished uni and I just think that using the internet to get kind of visual inspiration in your home Mm. makes it a lot more accessible than having to physically although it's lovely to go out to a gallery and kind of submerge yourself in it it's quite a lot of effort to actually (laughs) to find out what's going on and put yourself in there so yeah I just feel like the world was a bit more opened up because of that and it meant that you know I was much more inspired and I hadn't been very inspired at uni at all which is why I dropped out what were you studying the graphic design um I just wasn't what I thought it would be (laughs) in terms of I I hear this quite a lot in terms of creative degrees in that they just kill it by making it all theoretical and like the theoretical bland I mean I I get that we were supposed to be learning the bones of design which is really vital but I mean, scaling up a letter G and drawing it in a font like accurately is hardly something you're going to use yeah. in your day-to-day job. I just felt that it wasn't real-world design either. We were asked to design things for like theoretical plays as posters. It was just so mm. boring. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I also felt really kind of downtrodden by the tutors. They were constantly criticising, which I get is their job. And obviously, most students aren't actually very good at design when they're studying, because that's why they're there. But they're constantly wanting you to have a style and know what you're doing it just isn't there when you're 19 like yeah. you don't have a style I don't think I mean obviously a natural style yeah but you don't know enough about what you're doing and especially when it's in a context that's or uni work there's just mm. no real pull to actually well for me no real inspiration there no I can imagine that and like I know that the she can she did audience the younger ones are opting not to go to uni now if they want to launch a business or they do drop out and launch a business so it's yeah. quite a common thing but the reaction around that from your family friends how yeah was that? I just felt that they were proud of me for going to a prestigious university in London but I don't think they ever really felt that my degree was particularly academic mm. maybe and yeah in hindsight I probably wish I'd have done something a bit more academic so I could have maybe do my accounts a bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Um, I feel like if anyone's stuck about what they should study, just go and do like economics. Yeah, economics would be great or accountancy. It's so dry, but at least you'd know what you were doing. So Um, so yeah, I kind of consumed my teenage life doing art and design and being kind of submerged in that kind of world. And yeah, then when I got to uni, it was just a bit of a massive letdown. And I pushed through and every time I felt a bit like, oh, I don't enjoy this, I tried to kind of like make something kind of happen. (laughs) I would feel more interested. Just wasn't happening. And I 
don't think creatively you can force yourself. Absolutely not. So when you drop out, I'm just interested in the period that like led to launching the business because it didn't come straight away. No, did it, it didn't come straight away. So while I was at uni, I um, the dogs. Again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, tapping around so and he cute. just sneezed. He won't sit down. <laughs> so so cute. And he's called Onion, which yeah. just makes he will go and lie well. down on my white yeah. rug. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I kind of pushed on, and I was in second year, and I was working at a company called Ollie and Nick, who were a handbag designer. Some people may remember them. They're still around. In their shop on Carnaby Street doing Saturdays and some kind of evening shifts just in the shop as a sales assistant and actually that became way more inspiring to me working maybe not just for the brand but in that environment at that time there was a lot of small creative independent brands in Carnaby Street that mm. had shops back when it was affordable to, yeah, to actually yeah, yeah. it was the cheapest place to have your shop if yeah. you were starting out. Which is out. mad because yeah, now you walk insane. down Carnaby and you're like full of diesel yeah, jeans. Yeah. So basically we would kind of work our shifts and I was surrounded by quite a lot of really creative women that were working there alongside other creative endeavors mm. it was kind of their income and then they went off and did other things so yeah I just felt that I was kind of surrounded by my people there way more than at uni I think really bothered to make friends at uni because I didn't feel that I had anything in common with many of the people there so yeah I submerged myself in my job I guess and went out and kind of just fed off these other people and just really kind of it sounds really sad and it's no one works there anymore but it was like a little bit of a scene of people yeah, and we'd like yeah. see the same people out after work for yeah. drinks yeah it was but it's that common mindset I think when you find someone that just gets it it's yeah. so and especially I guess in the creative industry but for me when I meet any business owner I'm instantly like okay we've got something in common we might have completely different businesses but there's that mindset and that ambition and yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and you instantly and you click. gravitate towards yeah, the same kind of places I guess and then from that I kind of got a bit more involved with the brand that I was working with I kind of got a bit more into the visual merchandising and obviously they knew that I was doing graphic design degree so I just asked if I could do an internship in the head office because it was all in-house all the design and everything mm. and they kindly agreed so I just went there for two weeks just did a kind of a free two weeks internship just helping out I don't really know just kind of dabbled here and there and kind of did things and because I already knew the owners and the managers because I've been working in the shop and it was a family business so everybody knew each other so I couldn't really get lost in the company and then once I finished that I was like I really want to do this more than working in the shop so they offered me to swap my part-time hours in the shop and actually go and work at head office I think I was assisting the graphic designer at the time so I was basically doing things like updating the website product photography designing like mail outs for email things and took it upon myself as my role to basically do their social media because it was only just starting didn't have a facebook page didn't have a twitter account etc all and of these things that i'm like god i wish i had experience in all of that before yeah, launching yeah this. and it was excellent because That's i got amazing. to test out at someone else's risk i guess yeah, <laughs> yeah. but the people that owned it obviously were aware that it was around but they hadn't really got a clue about it so i was kind of left to do what i wanted with it as long as it was driving sales to the website they didn't really kind of interfere which was great so how exactly long were you like there for four years i can't really remember so mid-20s now yeah i was about 21 yeah between oh, 20 oh and 21 yeah so okay. about about two three years and eventually what happened was they just said to me we want you to work here full-time after i had done a few months kind of part-time why don't you defer your degree mm. for a year come here work full-time we'll pay you x amount salary to make it worthwhile what do you think and i was like yes this is my lifeline out of uni like <laughs> i can't think of anything better i get to do something real for a brand get paid for it and i don't have to think about having to design a poster for a shakespeare play yeah that doesn't exist it's a win-win uh, yeah it was just like a no-brainer yeah. and it was kind of a graduate's dream to kind of just be asked to come and do something absolutely and get paid for it as well yeah, yeah. that was a kind of bonus at that time so yeah i did that and then worked there for one year deferred then a second year kind of rolled around i was like oh i'm definitely really not ready to go back now i'll defer another year because you could do a maximum two years deferral uni weren't really bothered didn't we do anything to try and kind of win you back win me back which kind of cemented my mm. <laughs> belief that it probably wasn't worth going back so yeah and then during that kind of second year when I was there was when I got really into kind of baking and cooking in my tiny flat in my land why I don't know I was kind of bored in the evenings yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a computer at home so it didn't really work at home so it's kind of like oh what can I do had um, bake-off started then yes so it had been on one though. season yeah and it really kind of was like oh I remember cooking cakes with my mum and yeah. I know how to cook a cake from scratch because bake-off I remember it literally woke the whole nation up in terms of oh yeah baking yeah is good. It yeah was fun. definitely like, it was baking. quite wholesome and especially when yeah. we were in a recession at that time it felt kind of like a bit yeah. more like 
like clinging on to something that was like past yeah no 100 <laughs> i remember because i don't actually watch them a shock horror i don't watch the most recent ones no, but i watched either. the first like seven <laughs> yeah. eight series yeah it's so twee it. and yeah. very like neutral and yeah, yeah. but and everyone loves baking yeah they do and even um, if you're not good at it no it's, it's, it's so a fun. nice wind down kind of activity yeah. generally and also alongside that a lot of the blogs that i mentioned that did a lot of kind of amazing cakes and kind of those edible things that look like other things were like seemed to be really big on the internet yeah. at that time I suppose they still are and um, so I was just really drawn to like kind of creating with food I guess yeah. so yeah I started kind of recreating a lot of things I'd seen online so gingerbread beach huts and cakes that look like burgers and taking it one step further and making like packaging for them to kind of match in with what the baking was so yeah I think that some part of me that can't not brand something yeah <laughs> seems like a natural thing make a cake why not make a lovely box for it and put some packaging on it and then make a brand for the cake <laughs> just i find that really fun well you were because i remember when we first chatted you you did some market stalls with your mum and with the with the cakes before we even get to the chocolate yeah you so started I, a business it was a very casual yeah. Yeah, i didn't do that with my mum it was very casual i just kind of went to a couple of craft markets actually with my friend zoe and i'd kind of make a few little like chocolate mice or like fondant mice and little like hamburger things just kind of bits and pieces but by little I'm sorry, but I, I can only imagine that you went to town on them. Oh, yeah, like yeah, they I spent a like lot of time ex- on yeah, them. Really yeah, good. but I really loved doing it, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love like, the finished result. And it was nice to actually put it out, instead of taking it into the office, and people just going, oh, this is really nice, and then eating it. Make some um, money from yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd sold a few of them, and yeah. it was really nice to see other people's reaction to kind of gauge whether... It was just my office being polite. There's <laughs> nothing more brutal than being on a market stall because people are honest. I've heard that. I take my hat off to all of you because that's always what I hear about market stalls. And, yeah. and I've been to a few like, and I, I mean, I think I'm guilty of it in the past. Like, And now I'm so conscious of the fact that there's someone behind there that's put their heart and yeah. soul into it. It's the same I'm in sure the shop as well. When I was a teenager, well. I was like, ugh. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, who would, who would wear that? It's good. I think it's good that people have an opinion and actually yeah. sometimes you have to listen. Good feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like indirect. Like, who would buy that (laughs) yeah i could make that at home myself for only 10 so basic to the move into chocolate so a lot of the stuff that I was looking at online to get my inspiration yeah. had chocolate elements to it and I was really drawn to that because I felt that it was like more of a product than a baked good so mm. it felt like something you could wrap up and it was a lot more gifty which I was really interested in so I wanted to like make stuff and be able to give it to people as gifts so yeah I kind of bought myself a couple of chocolate molds and I think most people that do home baking kind of that get really interested in it it does crop up at some point that's why they have a chocolate challenge in the yeah I was gonna off. say yeah. every <laughs> they always it's always a headache isn't it because you have was it called tempering or something yeah and they all panic about yeah it they do like... panic about it so yeah i think it is a bit of an enigma part of cooking and, and home cooks don't really deal with chocolate you kind mm. of you melt it and mix it with other things and it becomes a flavor yeah. perhaps but not necessarily or you, I, the, all I do is melt it and then swizzle it over. Is swizzle a word? Yeah, so, yeah, drizzle it. Yeah, and, drizzle yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or mix I'm it with so cream. Thick sometimes, you know, when you're like, that sounded <laughs> like the right word. word and then it's it. like, well, drizzle is obviously <laughs> the right word. But yeah, that's about as far as my chocolate yeah. skills and go. Yeah, and I think most people, you don't need to really go any further yeah. into it, but I felt the need to go further into it. So yeah, I bought some moulds, tried making myself some little like lollipops and like moulded shapes and like obviously... You can't just melt chocolate, put it in the fridge and expect something amazing to come out. It just doesn't work. So I got very frustrated by it, but I was still interested. I wanted to know how it worked. Mm. Yeah. And at this time, I kind of got my mum involved a little bit because she taught me how to bake. So I thought, oh, maybe she would know. Yeah. And maybe she's worked with it in when one in of the birthday mum, cakes always. she's made me in the past. Yeah. And she was like, no. And then my dad was like, well, if you really want to know, why don't you go on a course and find out more about it? So that's what we did. Which course? It was, uh, I don't think it's still going. I think the guy retired. It was an ex-pastry chef, chocolatier mm. person in Oswa Street. And he was very, very old and Italian and just did it over the weekends in his garage. <laughs> I love this though. But it's like, no, yeah, it's you can't find, learn, right? you can't yeah. find courses. There are no, well, as I'm aware of, there are not really any affordable mm. entry level chocolate courses for people that are thinking of doing it professionally and without spending loads of money. I was going to say, any cookery course or like proper cookery course mm. where it's like, a, you know, not just an evening, let's make a curry or something, yeah. are expensive. Expensive and really hard to find and to get recommendations on because yeah. not many people in the wider public is kind of a bit of a kind of guarded industry, mm. I suppose. So yeah, this was the best we could get for what we could afford, but taught us what we needed to know, I guess, in terms of basics. Very, very traditional tempering on a slab of marble 
with a pallet knife. The guy had rigged up melting tanks from light bulbs out of bits of wood. Oh my god! <laughs> he had the most retro collection of molds that we'd ever seen. <laughs> we spent the whole time laughing, not at him, but yeah, just yeah. you know just the whole like the situation. Yeah, I think, definitely. and he brought out all these molds, and they were like Tutankhamun's mask, and like these amazing <laughs> elaborate bunny rabbits doing weird things, like pushing <laughs> wheelbarrows, and like oh, it was oh just. Gosh. I've still got pictures of the stuff that we made. <laughs> but yeah, it was fine to learn the basics basically and how to do fillings it's very old school and then we did a bit of like sugar pulling but I was very very kind of specific with him about what I wanted to learn I wasn't interested in learning how to make fondant and honeycomb and all that stuff I just yeah. wanted to know how to make a hollow figure how to make a chocolate bar how to flavor it and then I didn't want to know how to do fancy decorating techniques so I felt that I know how to pipe so it was I need to know that part of it yeah, yeah. so I had a very clear idea of going in there of what I wanted to use a skill for mm. so you finished that course yeah it was just a weekend <laughs> yeah but they're turning it into a business then yeah so that was um, what were the actual steps quite a crazy so, thing to yeah. do but the thing is with Creighton's is it stands out like it's so yeah. distinct the branding everything I know you designed the branding which is insane I think it stands out because I didn't know anything about that product or that industry it just did kind of what you wanted what I, I love that because um, it's so easy to it. kind of yeah copy the rules it's yeah. like I was interviewing the founders of Bybee the other day which are a beauty brand and it's all clean ethical vegan but their packaging is hot pink like your staircase yeah. and everything it's super bright rainbow colours and I said to them it's so refreshing because yeah. most people the go for the cream, yeah. like neutral <clears throat> palettes and, and it's the same with the chocolate bars it's so easy to just play it safe whereas yeah. I don't think you have I think and this is where I felt that we could do something different because yeah. it is a lot of portrait chocolate bars in a lovely I mean I'm not saying they're not nice and there's not a place for them in a very clean packaging lots of browns neutral colours golds <laughs> I'm pulling a face yeah. <laughs> and basically when we first started my rule were no browns and no purples on our packaging mm. yeah. <laughs> it just felt that everyone else is doing that and well it's also galaxy and cabby right yeah, yeah yeah and everyone tries to assimilate themselves with this idea of what a luxury chocolate bar mm. is it's a bit different now because I think there's a lot more kind of going on but yeah I felt like there was a rule book and whenever I see something like that I kind of want to do the opposite it's yeah, just yeah. my personality I can't even write myself a list because I'll write a list of things to do and then look at it and go I'm not doing that yeah. <laughs> how dare I tell myself what yeah. to do <laughs> I literally feel like whatever somebody says, I'll do the opposite in yeah. terms of being That's very hilarious. stubborn about it. So I feel like my whole ethos of my brand is like that. So our chocolate bars are always landscape, not portrait, just because everyone else is a portrait. So that's not landscape. That's so true. I've it's, never noticed. I don't know, I know why now. It, but I've never, it's never really dawned on me, you know. That yeah, really uh, there is a reason why, because they stand up and they look good in a display that way. Yeah. <laughs> so when they're horizontal, it's a bit harder. But for me, it was like horizontal as a designer, you get more space to put the text. There's mm. a bit more to play with. Our logos that way it just made more sense in my head so yeah there were things like that that I always do different so yeah no browns no purples they're a really clear idea right from the start what I didn't want and in terms of kind of coming up with a concept for it just after doing a course I was really fired up from doing that course about what I didn't want to do and what I did want to do was more fun way more kind of aimed at a younger market and just really visual it needed to be super visual because I knew that a lot of the sales would be online and it was mm. rely on really clever photography and lifestyle shots and being able to be applied to I mean Instagram had it started no it hadn't started at that point it's but like 2013 isn't it yeah so then? it was enough second 14. I think 2014 it took off yeah so it was kind of bubbling and yeah I just felt that I needed something that's going to look great in photos basically and also yeah. on the shelf and you nailed it yeah it really does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my brief to myself and you what just sat down and designed yes yeah, so I did it while I was at work <laughs> <laughs> obviously I had like a few bits I pulled together for inspiration and when we first started it was not as clean as it is now it was very much off the time quite like kind of handcrafted looking so a lot of brown craft paper red and white stripy twine yeah. was in at the time so I've always followed the trends yeah in a way I mean we're looking back at it now I'm like Ooh. <laughs> no but you know that, what? But it was different at the time have you heard of Chupi the Irish jewelry designer no oh, that's, she has these amazing like engagement rings like really like high-end jewelry that she does in these pink velour boxes. Oh, no, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to her store, actually. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I love her brand, but she posted a photo a couple of months back or a few weeks ago, I can't remember, but it was of her at a market store about eight, nine years ago. Yeah. And it was just yeah. such a different look. And, I, and that's what I love. It's like you st have to start somewhere, right? You do. And Instagram, 
aesthetic didn't yeah, exist. Yeah. So it was very much like, yeah, it's of the time. It was designed in 2010 into 2011 and it looks like it. At the time it was lovely and fresh and yeah. I had a draw to it. And so, did you yeah. make it all here? Like as in, in a house? Like so I was still living in London doing my job and my mum was here in Leighton Buzzard. So in the house I grew up in. So the setup was that she was practicing in the garage, kind of like making chocolate. So in between this, we obviously decided that we would do something together. So yeah, she was kind of practicing and building on the techniques that we'd learned at the course. I was kind of buying in some molds and trying out some kind of like design ideas in terms of actual products and flavor combinations and then designing kind of the packaging and the concept of the website while I was at work. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope they don't listen. I say this on everything I do. I'm like, I hope they don't listen to this. You know they're going it's to in the one past. day. Yeah. <laughs> Two things that still remain are the logo that's never changed and the printed paper that we have on the greaseproof wrapper mm-hmm. on our bars that's always been the same and that's the only thing when we first started that we actually invested money in was getting a pack of like custom greaseproof paper printed to wrap our chocolate bars in and we made that paper go on everything because it was all we had the money to get so yep. it was literally we're going to design something that can be used on anything yeah how uh, expensive are we talking oh about I think we paid about a thousand pounds for it so yeah. not loads but yeah but for paper at the oh, time yeah the time and a new brand yeah, yeah. you've got to order 10,000 sheets as well so yeah. it's like wow like yeah. we've sold Oh, maybe five lollipops <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna last us forever and yeah. um, this paper yeah and we didn't have kind of loads of money to put into it it was just kind of what we had from our wages and yeah. a bit of credit card a lot of the design of the packaging has come from resourcefulness mm. what you can kind of do without spending very much money that could be applied to lots of different things so we bought a rubber stamp and we stamped that onto plain manila card tags we bought a dymo machine printed all our ingredients out on that because there's no ink it's really cheap we did the front stickers on the chocolate bars out of those so square address labels on top of coloured copy of paper. So the coloured paper would distinguish the different flavours right. from each other. Red and white stripy butcher's twine because you can buy loads and loads of that and it's like £3 for miles and miles of it. And sell at plain cello bags and we just made something with the things that we could get. A in, lot of I it for not very much money. Uh, when weekends, when you came back, did your mum do the bulk majority of it in the early days? Or Yeah, she would basically I'd say, oh, well, let's try this flavour, let's try this flavour, let's try this mould. And she would kind of do it in the evenings. And then I'd go back at the weekends and we yeah. kind of debrief about what we'd come together and kind of have a little meeting. Be like, mm. well, I've done this and I've done this. And how long did that process go before you were actually like, OK, we're ready to like take uh, this, take this live? Yeah, about <laughs> six weeks. Yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not very long. No, no. But once I'd started, I felt like, oh, I You're have all these go. ideas. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of just loads of stuff just came out that obviously I've been holding on to somewhere. But that's what I love. It's sometimes like I sometimes think that people over plan and it's kind of like when you've got that momentum, just run with it. Yeah. And I think don't be scared of yeah. like, they call it like a brain dump yeah. of like yeah. ideas and then whittle out like yeah. all the rubbish stuff because there's going to be filler in there absolutely so did so, you yeah. put a photo on the website how did you get the word out there? you know it's so different just coming up with a really really great idea really great chocolate bar really amazing logo etc etc but until someone's buying it it doesn't mean anything yeah it's a bit brutal isn't I mean, it? the only like... audience <laughs> I had really was my colleagues at work my yeah. friends and that was about it really yeah uh, <laughs> like like I say without social media what do you have yeah, like it's yeah. like you it's only you shouting out into the abyss <laughs> it's so true when you think about that before yeah. social media like how businesses were just so different like yeah it's and it's crazy. so hard to it's find so things now like it is yeah get the right hashtag and you're, you're exactly yeah or the right person to yeah. send it to but luckily obviously the people that I was kind of working with had other outlets so it was just a case of getting them in people's hands and mm. when I was at Ollie and Nick I was doing a lot of the kind of PR stuff along with an agency so I had quite a few contacts that yeah. I was like well I've got this list of people so I could send them stuff because why not and I'm sure they'll be interested in it because I'm doing the design for this company, so it's no yeah, real yeah. kind of like difference. And were they, yeah. were your bosses okay with that? I didn't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, by the time I used the contacts, I had actually left. So okay. we decided that the best way at that time to kind of put our products out there and sell them was to open a physical shop. Mm. And that was going to be the best way to do it. So we found a shop in Lane Buzzard High Street that was a bakery. So it's quite run down and had been a bit neglected. The High Street was at a bit of a turning point at that time. It was a lot of kind of, it was a, a change period, a bit like it still is now. So yeah, the bakery had somebody in it that was doing like hot rolls and soup and it was a bit dirty yeah, and horrible yeah. and dated. So we took on the lease. Um, I, I just, that sparked a memory. I remember working in a cafe 
cafe when I was about 19 and I remember someone coming in and these two guys and they were like oh this is like the apprentice cafe they said yeah, everyone yeah, to yeah. and I was like I can hear you like, yeah. I'm trying so hard cafe. Like, I'm just, I'm just but you so feel brutal. like part of it don't yeah. you yeah so yeah it, yeah it was a little bit like, like that. that yeah yeah <laughs> so filthy and but cheap yeah. really cheap and had loads of space because it used to be a bakery so it had all the space we needed to make the chocolate in the back yeah. and have a little shop front so yeah that's what we did i mean it was a toss-up between we could get a big loan and spend loads of money on a lease in london somewhere mm. and just you know take the plunge remortgage my parents house and do it or do something keep cheaper local. keep it yeah. local start small and see what happens and kind of build it that way so we went with that option I um, mean yeah especially when you haven't really properly got yeah. it out there yet yeah I mean my dad right. was very keen to kind of just put everything into it and really? go big go home he is like that as a person whereas my mum's more cautious so yeah. I felt that we kind of found a middle ground yeah, causing yeah. too much friction also quite stressful to put all that money into it when you don't really know whether anyone's going to buy it absolutely yeah. <laughs> i mean even starting with a shop businesses now that yeah like we were saying instagram you can instantly get that yeah do they like it do they not so yeah nine years ago going yeah. in with the shop that's yeah. Yeah, really just brave. see it's and so also it's and the audience is quite limited in a local town yeah but i felt that we had enough of a customer base mm. otherwise wouldn't have done it to kind of do okay from it and all it for me long term all it really needed to do was provide a base to make the chocolate because I had way bigger plans than just being in that shop and I wanted to be online and that was the long-term view of it how much if you don't mind me asking around approximately was the rent so the rent was like twelve thousand seven hundred pounds a year Oh, okay. So yes, like a thousand pounds a month. There was no rates because obviously it's business, small business relief. I thought you were about to say a month and I was like, holy crap. No, no, no. But, you know, <laughs> London shops are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we were like, well, that's going to be the rent. What else have we got to cover? Well, one of us will work in the shop while the other one makes. So there's no kind of real pay for staff at first. We could just get secondhand machinery. Yeah. So it kind of All worked out. talked ourselves into it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And okay. So where are we now in terms of years? So that's still, that's 2011. So almost, um, oh gosh, that was so May. Shop- that we opened the oh shop so yeah it was a very quick turnaround so I was working right up until the point of the shop opening so I stopped working on the Friday then opened my shop on the Saturday and I was still living in London so we kind of had to move all our stuff I was living with my boyfriend at the time but his we met in Leighton Buzzard so it was like we just both came home together yeah. and lived with his parents and I kind of in my head was like oh well I could work part-time doing the graphic design and do the shop that it just yeah, didn't happen. Didn't happen I, I do think there's like some businesses where you can do that kind of part time thing, and then yeah. there's others, especially like a chocolate. If you've just launched a shop, yeah, that's you can't not do a part time thing. No. That's a throw yourself in. Yeah, just... it is. And I was very naive about that, I think. Yeah. At 22. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we kind of. And what, like, footfall from like a local high street? Because I'm literally down the road. So, Leighton Buzzard, I'm, I live in Stony Stratford. So, I just feel they're quite similar. They are very similar towns, yeah. And I just think the footfall given your ambition for the brand how did it pick up momentum so because it's come such a long way and obviously that yeah. takes time but equally you really have grown the brand so. yeah so I mean for me like I say I always saw that shop as just a base really yeah. I never wanted it to be just a local shop although it obviously was that as well so yeah it was very much like right, okay the shop's open we need to get on the website and start selling stuff online mm. as well yeah so the footfall was was good actually I mean the first day we sold out of everything and oh we then were like oh no we've got nothing to sell tomorrow <laughs> and then it suddenly like dawned on us yeah. how much work it was going to be I mean don't get me wrong the first year was very small sales because mm. you're new but you know the interest was there people were coming in every day Saturdays were really busy you know we'd sell out and the first year we didn't make easter eggs because we didn't know how to do it <laughs> so we, we just kind of sold other things instead but yeah we would clear out all the time and you was know, there like coffee and tea and stuff to keep no, people in there it was literally no, just, just chocolate. chocolate and people were like oh why don't you have a cafe and it was like i don't want to open a cafe because that then is it's a, a, a different thing, thing. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know it's a chocolate company but that's really good especially in those early months slash years everyone has an opinion don't they yeah. everyone has so many ideas for what you should be yeah. doing and it's kind of like no gut instinct what did you set out to do yeah and, and I, like, I always had that so clear in yeah. my head especially the first couple of years yeah i think it's a really yeah. you have to keep reminding yourself that you do and i think trust what you think is uh, going to sell because no one else knows the business and yeah. no one else is looking at the figures so yeah i mean obviously there's been things that i've done that haven't worked because i really love them but it 
bit over other people's heads generally how it seems yeah. to work like what like chocolate shapes of cupid dolls you know they're little like they're like on the japanese mayonnaise they're like really cute like <laughs> bit niche really niche yeah that's the thing and i love them yeah. so much and i was like oh, i like, love the these and they were all painted i mean i still cover doing them again but yeah. we got rid of the molds painted like chocolate dolls right. and i just loved them so much and i was like oh we could put these in the dolls box and I, I had this like whole concept but most people wouldn't get what that is yeah. um, i like, mean no the japanese the mayo internet dolls. does uh. now <laughs> we sell loads of them now but i've always had that like i get really into like yeah, niche yeah. things sometimes a bit too niche so yeah i mean I have learned over the past just because I love them doesn't necessarily mean Everyone. that everyone's going to buy it. Although I do feel that I have a good eye. Sometimes it's a bit too weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like in general, you've got a really good eye. Yeah, like I feel like in general I do. And I, I do kind of feel that my strength is kind of knowing what has got a mass appeal and what doesn't mm. and what's out of fashion, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, some things didn't sell, obviously. And some things in that market didn't work. Like people in Leighton Buzzard didn't get why the hell we were doing a bacon chocolate bar. Yeah. It's like, yuck. But London would. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. But and I always aim to that. Yeah. Because I mean, the town that we're in is full of people that work in London and, yep. and they know. So it's yeah, different. Yeah. By the time I just had that single view that like I'm selling to people in London and people in Leighton Buzzard, they'll like it, you know. Yeah. yeah. This is, I'm telling them what to like. Yeah, <laughs> So the brand is now international, right? There's a new bot stockist. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. get sales internationally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like in terms of getting like the partnerships, the collaborations that you've done, all of that, I think that's another thing that makes Creighton stand out yes. is that you do follow trends, but you also like, for instance, the UCAN bar last year, yeah. and it was around International Women's Day, right? Yes, yeah. And it's like you hit those trends and it's like, of course, yeah. people are going to buy that around that time. Yeah. So how did you approach the collaboration side? Was it you reaching out? Was it there? like talk me through that because I think the partnerships and collaborations is something so many brands are interested in now. and I think it's a much more recent thing I think people have cottoned on to the idea that if you team up with another brand you share an audience yeah. and you can reach people that you wouldn't necessarily get to on your own without quite a lot of work so yeah at first it was I mean it's a dirty word now but gifting to influence yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> was really how it started and maybe not necessarily to influencers but to brand events and I know that it gets a lot of flack now for like That's being a not the done thing but you know it worked for us but it's being picky about it obviously yeah. you can give away chocolate forever yeah, i mean who, do, who doesn't love chocolate? exactly you know <laughs> saying yes to the right things but fortunately for us the right brands always came to us for it anyway yeah. and i was always happy to say yes and to be honest i've like i've who? done the approaching very little at the start so i actually worked at lazy oaf as a sales assistant part-time like really far back at uni and i always kept in touch with Gemma and jerry who one runs it and the other one it does the pr and they're always really supportive of the products that I did and really interested in them. So as soon as I got started and I done these moustache shaped lollies which were massive I'm sure everyone remembers yeah. that they had like a launch party event in Carnaby Street and they were like oh can you make us some chocolate lollies for it I think I did some cakes as well and I was like yes of course like this is the place for me to like get an audience so yeah, yeah of course I'll give you them for free like get them in the hands of the right people and photograph them and I'll have them online ready for people to buy yeah. afterwards and that really worked and then the type of people that went to those events were influential themselves so then I'd get asked to do other things I've done things like Estee Lauder kickers underground shoes who do like the kind of brothel creeper shoes so yeah. they were all at those events and had picked up things with our tag on and you know when you're starting and you don't have an audience it's like amazing to be asked to do something for free but it's making the most of that opportunity yes. isn't it it's like making sure that if you're going to gift something to an event that yeah. you brand that table yes. you brand everything yeah. so that it's not just the event people are like oh the event was amazing they had such great moustache lollies yeah it's, it's not like, just for oh, pictures no not at all yeah. it's like they pick them up and they're like oh this isn't the event this is this person yeah. that made and them. that's where the branding like is so important back. and yeah, the packaging yeah. and making sure that everything has your name on it yeah which i always, I always anyway. say that to the girls that do the cake tables at the mingles i'm like brand the hell out of yeah. that table yeah like just do whatever you want people like, remember it, it on and they want to remember it because mm. they you know people always looking for things for yeah, other yeah. things whether they want to buy it or have it gifted i guess so yeah that's how it started really and then actually that was how we got our first stockists so it's how i got the conran shop and liberties was from doing oh, no gifted events <laughs> on carnaby street because the buyers yeah, well, finish work the yeah. go around they're interested in what that brand are doing pick up things and they're like oh this is really cool look into it more if you've got a website and a story behind mm. it then it's a no-brainer they ask you for your prices i mean it's different now because there is a lot of like 
like I say, bad press about gifting. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I see brands all the time just giving stuff away. Mm. And obviously it works for them. So I wouldn't do it. I think people are a lot more clued into it 100%. now. But I was always picky. I never just gave stuff away for the sake of it. Did you celebrate when Liberty stopped you? Yeah, I mean, it was stressful. Yeah. Yeah, what, <laughs> I didn't know what, what I was doing. It I like? didn't know, like, it's a whole different ball game. And I was very casual with it. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, God, this is really serious a lot of people are buying our stuff so we need to like be really serious about it it's not no, just a creative thing anymore it's, yeah, yeah. it's like it's a like food the, manufacturing company absolutely and you can't mess around with everything from like the ingredients like no, if you can't. you can't if there's nuts in it you've got to lift it's, it yeah and that's, that's such a, a basic, massive part of my life yeah. now so yeah i mean the collaborations came from basically doing those events keeping in touch with the brands that i'd done events with mm. to then do more with them so you know people really loved those mustache lollies we'd having this other event could you make something that's really specific to that event that we can co-brand it and in return we'll put it on our social media and then you just hold on to relationships I guess I think the first collab bar we did was only in 2017 so yeah I think it's something that's really grown over the past couple of years and it has become a really good core part of our Mm -hmm. brand I think also I mean a lot of my stuff is just selling the same chocolate bars over and over again I mean I love them and I guess like playing up to the season so now you do do the Easter things you work to that yeah so there's all always that thing going on in the background but I think doing collaborations allows me to have some creativity Mm -hmm. because otherwise it could just fall into the same chocolate bar wrappers and now we're bigger we have more commitments of like having to keep the same product going we can't change the ingredients we have to get x amount of packaging printed Mm -hmm. it does restrict being able to chop and change all the time which I was always really guilty of doing like oh I've made 10 of those I'm bored of that do something else so doing collabs allows me to be a bit more creative and less restricted to kind of what I need to make in order to Mm -hmm. like keep the business functioning but I think that's such an interesting point and it's so worth making is that as you're business grows so many people they want the big business they want to be super super successful in inverted commas whatever that looks like but I think we all have an idea of what that like massive business looks like and it's almost like especially with a creative brand if you become that you as a founder your role changes so drastically that it's so great that you have found a way to keep that creative outlet going because like you said the bigger it gets the rules come in yeah and it's like external factors that dictating what your role now definitely and I do feel that 80% of my job is really tough yeah. <laughs> and it, it's stressful because like that's you why say, you've got a pink staircase Lucy. yeah yeah it's like, it's it just reminds you to keep fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but it you know we are regulated now by yeah. of our own choosing it's not something we have to do but I want to be professional and we are a food manufacturing company mm. and that's really important to me that we have that it's serious you yeah. know it's not just a brand on Instagram that doesn't have anything behind it you know we've audited once a year we have specific rules and regulations that apply to us we've got to have full traceability of ingredients mm. you know I had to research what the lead content was in our cocoa for somebody this week and cadmium never heard of it had to (laughs) educate myself (laughs) the only experience I have in food manufacturing is what I built I don't have anybody to ask but again though I think it's really refreshing and it's just a nice reminder that like you are still surviving and you're doing really well but you're teaching yourself still you're always learning down the line yeah and always learning new New things things, and um, processes are there now and they're there for a reason they help me sleep at night absolutely the fact that they do things like recalls and withdrawals and we have tested all these things and it's so dry and not what I really got into doing it but it's absolutely vital in order for me to be creative in the rest of my job I need to have that like sorted yeah otherwise there'd be no job like no there would be no there'd be no business I'd just be I mean I'd love to just be creating and that's it but I'm too much of a control freak to leave that to somebody else as well so yeah about 20% of my time is designing which is so sad podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. But let's talk about the challenges as of nine years down the line. What have you found to be the hardest part of running this business? Finances. Yeah. So mainly managing things like VAT. Oh my God, I hate VAT. It's the bane of my life. Mm. It's what I lose sleep about second after worrying about products. <laughs> accountancy. I mean, like I said, should have done a degree in accountancy. Mm. Like, I wish that at schools it should be taught at GCSEs as compulsory. People should be taught how money works and how mm. to manage money and yeah. what your responsibilities are. Maybe not even as a business, just personal things as well. Because I think in order to have control over your life, you need to know 
how the world works, yeah, right? Yeah. And that is the one thing I felt like I didn't really have any control over because I've buried my head in the sand. Like, I don't know what that terminology means, so I'm yeah. just going to ignore it, which just makes way more problems. Everybody knows that. Yeah. So, yeah, I find that the hardest thing to deal with. I presume you have an accountant. Well, I have an accountant that files my tax returns, but yeah. I do everything else myself. Do you? Wow. Because I feel that, well, it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also because it's good to know, like, 100%. what... And I look at... It's so lame. I look at my account software every day and I can see what our current profit levels what do you are. Use? Uh, QuickBooks. Okay. Um, I can see, yeah, if they want to t- sponsor t- t- me, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not sponsored. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fine. If Zero can come to me with a better rate, then yeah, I'll happy yeah. switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing though. Like, it is a case that with those kind of accounting softwares, you can check, you can just keep an eye on it. And it's so empowering to know. Yeah, that sounds yeah. so lame. But, like, no. I've spent a lot of my time at the beginning of running the business just being very blase about I know what, how much money's in, actually, sometimes, do you even know how much money was in the bank account? I didn't check it. Just hopeful that. Yeah, I had the card money. Would work. Yeah, 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 the card would work and often it didn't because I just didn't ignored it or yeah. let somebody else deal with it. So that's been part of the past two years, really like understanding that. Yeah. And I think mine's that's like an ongoing challenge for me. Ever since I switched over to limited, that unlike switch where it's like it's not my money anymore yeah. and following those rules and, and knowing what the rules and are. Knowing what the rules are and all the minute of like, yeah. oh well, there's like little loopholes or little mm. like other things that you don't know about until it's too late. Yeah, and then yeah. you owe a massive bill because you just didn't know yeah. and that's one thing I don't like so. my accountant's putting together the don't get me wrong it will be so different if I was earning loads and loads and loads so I'm not expecting a huge bill but it's yeah. just that anxiety of like oh she's about be? to let me know what it is yeah and, I, and I'd much rather like know <laughs> like, you have so, some idea yeah. and like I've, I've landed sat- massive bills and yeah. I'm like oh my god yeah, I like never expected this everything's gonna have to change now <clears> like I mean don't get me wrong I'm not perfect with money at all but at least to kind of know yeah it's the not knowing that's almost worse i'm I'm literally sitting down tomorrow i've made it my new year's resolution this year is saturdays are for bookkeeping and like my parents used to do it they used to every saturday they had small businesses they'd always and it's before like accounting software apps existed so they'd have their big papers and they'd write down their receipts etc etc and And it's like that's my resolution yeah and uh, i spent all of uh, once our shop closed in january it was a turning point in the business i needed to kind of know what was working and what wasn't working and so i spent the year being on it and yeah i check my accounts at least three times a week and i photograph my receipts right yeah yeah, Yeah. it makes me feel so much better because i've like dealt with it and i know what's happening i mean there's always something that i haven't dealt with (laughs) those brown envelopes in the shredder (laughs) (laughs) no i don't shred them i read them thoroughly and file them away i mean it's part of my personality a bit of avoidance you know you don't always want to be totally real about everything it's so common though like as in it's so easy and i think that that's again it's a resolution this year is like the bits that are scaring me i just need to yeah, front face head the on. fear now face the fear of accounts and ignore something else yeah, yeah that's it <laughs> so yeah that's the main challenge i think but then also it's the responsibility part of it so we have to pay people's pensions now yeah oh, so dumb God, it's so <laughs> stressful to know that you're paying someone's wages and they're relying on the, you paying them on time and correctly yeah. and having the money to pay them has there ever been a here? moment in over the past nine years where you've thought to yourself shit we don't have that in the bank to pay oh them. yeah yeah, <laughs> Lots of and, times. yeah. <laughs> but then and in terms of when those moments hit how do you as a founder deal with that because again it's more common than we all think yeah and i think it would be nicer if people were more mm. honest about it mm. because it can't just happen to me I, I mean, oh, it doesn't be... hence why i'm quite like as in the, yeah, that's why i started <laughs> she can she did yeah it's like it's bollocks like it so is. many people have that when yeah. they've got big teams sometimes the founder doesn't get paid because they've got to pay the staff yeah. and i'd also like to let people know that big brands and big companies often pay late yeah, and yeah. make up excuses because they don't have the cash flow and i know that that's the reason they're not going to not pay you because they're sitting on millions of pounds in their bank and just not wanting to give it to anyone it doesn't work like that and that's quite reassuring well not reassuring when it's happening to you but to know (laughs) that it's not just small companies that it happens to oh god if anything i think the bigger companies what i've heard word on the street is that the big companies are the ones that are the hardest they're they're the ones that don't pay on time they don't i mean you tend to kind of lose the ones that don't along the way, I think. But I've always known that that because my dad has been self-employed ever since, mm. like for my entire life. Yeah. So I've lived in a family a bit like you, where you know you kind of tuned into those kind of like day-to-day yeah. runnings of a business, not always smooth. You know, it was definitely very much like there's either money or there isn't. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And like I your think... friends would go on holiday, and you'd be like, oh well, we're not this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because 
tax bill's been too yeah, big yeah, or something. Yeah. And I think I'm always very jealous of people that have grown up with families that their parents had a job that just paid them and they got the same amount every mm. month. And, you know, it seems to me like that would be a better way of living. Hence why I then decided to do it myself yeah, like, and uh, pose it on my family. <laughs> so, yeah, I grew up knowing that that would be part of it. Yeah. And when I worked at Ollie and Nick, it's a small family run company. And there's oftentimes I'd get a check for my wages and not straight in my bank account because yeah. cash wasn't there and we'd have meetings. So there's no money. So I knew that that's what I was getting into. But I think who always have a naivety is not going to be applicable to them. Yeah. Are you quite open with your team? Yeah. I mean, I don't really drag them into it that much because I just want them to focus on being good at their job. But sometimes, obviously, you know, I need to say, right, you're going to have to do this or do that because we just need to kind of like be a bit clever with the money at the moment or whatever you know and trying to get to a point where it doesn't have to be like that and it's Mm. less and less each time each kind of month goes on it fingers crossed it kind of gets to a point where it's not like that but there's always going to be those times of the year the summer no one buys chocolate we're frantically making christmas orders in august that i know we're not going to get paid until november for but we've had to outlay for the ingredients and the extra overtime for people to make it and the packaging and i guess nine years down the line you can anticipate that so yeah. you know that you have to save a bit to get yeah. through august september October, yeah. right i do and that's always the aim when yeah. it happens in reality it's always something that comes up it's just you... nice to have it on your radar yeah that's <laughs> just a no and i'll just yeah. not do anything about it yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean it's a whole part of my business is the one thing where i go oh why am i doing this mm. is money yeah always but then i always find that there's always something there's like a silver lining or like i'll be really stressed about a vat bill for a week or something and then an email pop into my inbox that would be really exciting and it would just kind of eclipse and i always think it's so weird how that happens i used to produce conferences and we used to say on us girls and then the team we'd invite all of our keynote speakers and that we'd all have a week where everyone rejects us and you'd go for really big names and get so excited like oh they're gonna say yeah they're gonna say yeah they'd all say no and be like god there's this deadline the next week everyone would say yes again and it's just like oh you have to just keep going definitely and I think that never goes away so no matter how good it's going there's always going to be and I think you tend to focus more on those negative things yeah so yeah I came into January this year I didn't really want to come back to <laughs> after kind of such a manic like last few months and I was just so looking forward to the Christmas break Bet you and I could right yeah really tired it's the first Christmas that I've not had a shop mm. or retail so it was amazing to finish work on the 20th of December not Christmas Eve yeah uh, yeah I didn't really want to come back so I kind of come back into work and then it was like all hell broken loose with the product withdrawal and oh my god it was awful and I just felt like what yeah, it's not on. what I wanted to come back into January with and seeing all these people's like positive new year new me resolutions <laughs> and like I'm gonna set an intention for 2020 and I, was I like, mean mine's oh, bookkeeping Lucy it's hardly glamorous yeah. <laughs> it's hardly like oh. you do get that vibe yeah, yeah. that everyone else is on it and they've got these like amazing yeah. things and my husband's I'm gonna say this so that he is in training for a marathon <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's doing in January Oh, and that's his new, and I like have nothing I'm like literally like I'm still sitting on the sofa with biscuits every night yeah. like I don't <laughs> like those kind of resolutions yeah, that yeah. much but, but yeah again, it's just really like cemented that oh my god this is going to set the tone for the year yeah and it was really miserable first week of January and then I got an email Thursday I mean there was a an amazing email and it was like something that a stockist that I've wanted to work with it was on my list of like people that I wanted months, to work yeah. with and I just hadn't got around or kind of put off doing it because I thought they wouldn't be interested so I didn't contact them and then I got an email from them oh my yeah God. I was like this is amazing like, yeah, I yeah. wanted this and that's, the whole that's year. what makes it worth it right that's yeah like yeah I always think the lowest of the lows broadly speaking they feel horrendous but that high when those few and far between like reward went, for yeah, dealing with them but yeah. they are worth yeah. striving for they are and then going for those. but they're also quite easily forgotten as well yeah, oh 100 <laughs> yeah that's why i can't remember anything <laughs> so when will that happen oh i don't know uh, see, i don't know if it's definitely going to happen but just, just knowing that, about you yeah and yeah about. and that's enough i think to kind of be recognized I and mean, it would be fantastic if it could go through and become something so in terms of we briefly mentioned then that the run-up to christmas was really intense as i'm sure like if you're going to sell chocolate that's always going to be the busy time and you know vat bills in that first week of january how do you make sure you're looking after yourself throughout all of this eat biscuits on the side yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's difficult and don't always get it right. For me, at the moment, it's having some creative outlet that's not work related. Mm. So, I mean, I kind of finished my house now. So that was last year's distraction. <laughs> so, you know, just being really absorbed in that in my kind of And do time. you find that, like, as in, was it a therapeutic outlet? Because yes. I say so it wasn't, like, stressful coming home to no, a... Loved no, loved it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it had its stresses. You know, yeah. We didn't, have, I, we didn't have any doors on the back of our house. <laughs> 
<laughs> like this, no hoarding. And it was completely yeah. open. We had foxes come in and eat the dog's food. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it was very temporary and it was over the summer, but you know, that wasn't. Yeah, that, that wasn't fun. ideal. <laughs> I was so excited about watching it, it come together yeah. that it was like, however rubbish I felt at work, it was that thing that's like, oh, but that's happening at yeah, home and yeah. I can be excited about that There's instead. Something, I um, bought a, like a really crappy little granny annex in Stony and did it up in 2016. This is back when I was earning a salary. And genuinely, I just think I would push anyone to do any yeah. kind of renovation. Yeah, and definitely. I know that when if I you're... buy a house, I want I want a shitty house and do it up. Yeah, like, yeah. And we do this thing, we, we buy houses that haven't been touched since 1970 yeah. and then do something amazing to yeah. them. And this looks so This good. is the second house we've done, actually. It's our first buy. We couldn't afford anything. And we had to buy the cheapest house that we could. Yeah, <laughs> that's the reality, though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that. reality. Yeah. And it was like, we got it at amazing price because it was so shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and we moved in 10 weeks before my baby was born. Oh. And yeah. But I loved every I mean, yeah. every minute of it, but loved doing it. We had no money for that. And then this time we it was a bit more of a clever investment. So we actually had something to put into it. Uh, yeah, I just loved it. And the but problem is now not just going, let's sell it and do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just enjoy it. Yeah, just live in it for a bit. <laughs> so but now yeah. that's done, like what's your plan for this year to get So I've been it? doing uh, ceramics in my spare time. Really? Oh. <laughs> so I did like a 10 week course. I'm itching to go back and do another one. Just I mean, because it's just a nice to do something for yourself and mm. not. I don't have to worry whether anyone's going to buy that. Yeah. It's just what I like. 100%. Um, so yeah, doing things like that. I'm doing a lot more kind of drawing. I went on a painting course. Well, like an evening thing, which I was really rubbish at. It made me mm. realise how little painting I do now. <laughs> is isn't emulsion with rollers. Um, obviously, I've got a four-year-old, so my mm. free time has been taken up a lot with like baby stuff over the past few years. Yeah. And now she's older, goes to bed at seven o'clock. Right? Like suddenly it's like, oh. You've got some time again. this time back. I mean, don't always feel like doing something, but mm. you know, I can get paints out and do a drawing or yeah, whatever yeah. I don't always feel like it but I feel so much better when I do something yeah very quickly with being a mum given that you know your daughter was born four years ago yeah what have you learned about yourself as a mum in business and what's your advice I suppose to any woman listening now that wants like me I guess wants to have kids one day but it's like oh my god like how do you juggle the two you don't realize how shit it is until <laughs> you've done it cracking advice Lucy thanks <laughs> I mean, That's for, it's for hard. me, it's like if I can have kids, I know that you make it work, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone you else just is, make it like, work. You just right. make it work. But, like, what's your experience, I suppose, juggling um, the two? Well, I mean, I could only, when she was first born, I, I got no maternity pay. So there was nothing mm-hmm. to pay myself with, and I wasn't entitled to it because yep. I'm a director. So basically, no money. So I had to work. So I kind of had two weeks off before she was born, which most people do anyway. And then I went straight back in after about three weeks mm-hmm. once I basically could stand and um, yeah. I was back. I just found that first year it didn't feel so bad at the time but looking back on it wasn't good mm. um, I felt like I have post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. <laughs> and actually a lot of the stress of that didn't really kind of bubble up until two years ago yeah when it was like oh god like it's horrible but luckily for me because my work is flexible and I've got my mum there I didn't have to go back full-time and mm. I didn't have to put her in childcare unless I wanted to on my own because you know, I was just working in the evenings and in spare time at home yeah filling in it was quite stressful because obviously when you're trying to like feed or like go out on a walk and then you've got work calling you with various problems that's quite difficult I did feel like constantly harassed but because I wasn't able to be there it's just frustrating but yeah once she was a year old and she did a day two days at nursery it felt like a bit more of a game change so I could actually sit down and I don't know, I just feel like you just get more productive you yeah, don't waste yeah. time yeah. <laughs> and also like I listen to happy mum happy baby podcast yeah. don't ask why I'm not a mum but I just find it like really interesting it's like research um, yeah yeah one day one day but like it's more I guess when she went back to nursery as well you get your bit of your identity back as yeah, well yeah you do like, you know, I've struggled the most with that because I felt like I was having or having to I wanted to go to like baby groups but no one else there ran a business yeah, or yeah. was a creative They're being, person they've got their maternity pay coming in yeah it nine was months, so, and I was like, just like I just don't yeah. have the same experience maybe as these people it made me feel bad because I was like yeah. oh they care for their babies and they get time to like sit at home and be paid to look after their babies yeah. and they've made better life decisions than I have I yeah, felt yeah. a lot more like kind of I'm just like winging this and I'm not giving my child full attention because I'm like half work all the time and I think everybody gets that kind of. you know, I, that there's one thing like speaking to mums that have their businesses it's a that's so common but equally I think your daughter will grow up and be like oh my god my mum was an absolute legend 
mentioned. She gave me no attention. It's like, I know that my mum, granted she didn't have her own business until I was about 10, but she used to work big hours when I was in primary school. But I remember the time that she did spend at the weekends with us was so like great. And also like, I look back on her now and I'm like, fair play, mum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just do what you've got to do. It's like, and you've got to have a life as well. It's not just like, I mean, I couldn't not work because it would drive me nuts. Like there's only so much you can hoover you. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what all people do, but for me, I mean, when I have my day off, yeah, I don't leave the house. Like why would I? (laughs) But like I need interaction with people and I need to feel like I've got a purpose, I suppose. And yeah, I mean, it's difficult ones. My husband's very much hands on, but Mm. he has a really hard job that he works really long hours and has to travel really far which is just the payoff for having supporting my business I guess but you know he's always here at the weekends but there is still that element it's like well I'm still the one that does all the washing I'm still the one that does all the cooking and looking after the house and walking the dog but then I feel like well someone's got to do it just because yeah, yeah. I'm a woman doesn't mean I've been made to do it like, yeah, yeah everybody has a part yeah, in it right yeah it's just life isn't it yeah. it's just like, like and I, life I just... don't get this moaning about being I mean obviously I get it like some people do feel oppressed by it mm. completely but I'm never going to moan about washing up because if I don't do it, then it just doesn't get done. No one else has got time. (laughs) In terms of going forward, to round up, what are your ambitions for Creighton's going forward? So I've got one really amazing collab that's well it's not completely signed off but i'm hoping it's going to happen i guess um, we'll find out in a yeah so it'll probably be kind of may june time mm-hmm. ready for our kind of ninth anniversary and it's amazing and it's kind of one of those collabs where i can't believe it's happening yeah so i just love the person that i'm doing it with and their work and it's just exciting could be really well and i'm hoping it's going to be amazing and the flavor of the chocolate bar is really cool as well are you allowed to say what um, that is no well, <laughs> no because i want to surprise people yeah, with yeah, it. i don't think people are going to expect it so yeah and then i've got another thing that i'm working on that's really early days but it's a really cool novelty product which i'm really excited about it's got quite cool packaging and it's a bit different to something that we've done before and it's kind of going back to a similar thing that we would have done maybe a couple of years ago mm. it's very novelty so into that oh uh, there's a possibility we might do another so we've got a license for good atama which is like a japanese character owned by sanrio who do right. hello kitty so we i mean it's on the cards that there's another a different kind of licensed product that we might do when our current license for that runs out in august it's one that i've been thinking about so i'm not sure 100 if that's going to go ahead but it would be cool if it did basically i think the plan is we have like quite a big wholesale business and that's always growing and kind of well, hopefully it'll carry on kind of growing but i really really want to build on our own like website so yeah in terms really... of profit margin that's the best place to sell yeah. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's where we, that's, yeah yeah that's where it kind of makes it worth it so yeah i really want to grow that and kind of push that forwards and i think doing all these exciting exclusive collabs really like kind of means that a lot of those exciting products are only going to be able to buy directly from us which i think is important can you always see yourself running this yes i think i have to otherwise no, in terms definitely of you creatively it, you? oh yeah i mean yeah I, my mom's always like let's sell 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 <laughs> <laughs> i don't feel like i've finished yeah, yet yeah, yeah, enough to, to I don't do think that. you've finished yet I think no. there's so much you could be doing so many things to do but then personally I'm also doing a bit of like kind of on the side freelance work so like designing bits for other people and so there's that's really exciting my dad's opening a pub next month no way so I get to do a bit of the branding for that and they're thinking of doing their own gin so it's like quite a cool thing oh to be able gosh, to design yeah. so, it's all um, local yes it's in Little Hallwood Amazing. So him and my sister are doing that. So that's really cool. It's a bit of a like new yeah, thing. Yeah. A bit that's more interesting than his last so job. So close to my parents' house. So I will oh, have to go, have to go in. in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of like I say, my daughter starts school in September. So I'm trying to like at the moment I work four part days a week, which is I'm really lucky to be able to only have to work that much. So yeah. I'm trying to like take on a bit more. I kind of I think it's one of those things where you retract back from work and then want to put more in and it just kind of yeah, ebbs and flows yeah, like yeah. that. And it will balance out later down the line, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to take on a bit more perhaps i feel that i can ready to do that so yeah i'm just quite excited about this year actually because yeah. my house is done your shitty first week of january is out the way yeah, yeah i hope it does now <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't carry on yeah. the rest of the year no, no, no. Or, although i'll keep was... my fingers crossed that that email pays off the one that came through <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's exciting amazing but I, I feel like yeah i don't really start my year until february january is like one of those months i think it's for everyone you know <laughs> yeah. like we all kind of grit our teeth get through it everyone's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> your new year's resolutions don't really start until yeah. february yeah <laughs> Okay, rounding up then, Lucy, I finished with five statements. I'm going to try and remember them off the top of my head. Number one, being my own boss means... Doing whatever I want. 
<laughs> being a real boss. No, it means responsibility for other people, which is the worst part. But the best part of it is that if I want to have a nap in the middle of the day, I can come home and do it. No yeah. one cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, freedom, basically. Mm. So true. I sometimes wake up and I'm like, I could not actually work today because I'm my own boss. And I always get up and go to work. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, just that, like, knowing that if, you could. Yeah, if I yeah. could, keeps me going. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I could if I want to go home at midday. Yep. I'm not going to, yep. but I could. Yeah, it's that, I don't know, I say You're it's freedom. Yeah. yeah, but also often not. you aren't. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> always that comes out caveat. When it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to... Down tools and leave and go somewhere for a day or a weekend yeah. and get away and turn your phone off and ignore it and then know that you'll go back in the next day and deal with it on a fresh head. Do you do that? Try to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try to, I think in a small way, you know, I'm sure everybody gets this, but you check your emails before bed mm. or like late at night and you get like something that's like, oh my God, that's really annoying or that person's really offended me yeah. or whatever. And you want to just literally get your phone. I'm and like, like, bruh, 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 yeah, bruh. Yeah. So my thing on that is like, I read it, I close my phone and I go, I'm not going to think about that now until the morning yeah. when I'm going to sit down and deal with it properly. And that's taken quite a long time to learn. My phone's on airplane mode until I'm out of bed, done a workout, showered, then I'll yeah. switch it on. Yeah, I think it's being I mean, it's in control on, of it. It's time. not like on. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, regular breaks, I think, is yeah. more the... And don't have to be fancy holidays, just... Absolutely. Even if it's just going out for a walk with a dog yeah. for half an hour. Absolutely. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I'm... Like, I can do it however I want to do it. Yeah. There's no one to kind of set any rules, yeah. or boundaries, and... You're creative. So yeah, you're creative. do what I want. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> love that. And it doesn't matter if people... Well, it doesn't matter if people like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if so, you have to like what you're putting out there, I yeah. think. as long as I like it. And then. I think that, like, does shine through with Creighton, so you can tell you have fun with it. Yeah, and I don't have to sit in a board meeting full of boring mm. old men. You say, yeah, you have the final say. <laughs> yeah. If I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself... Don't be so naive and face the problems more than just focusing on the bits that you want to do. The fun bits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, 100%. And very lastly, I want my legacy to be that. More than chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just be known for... Yeah, sometimes I feel uncomfortable with the people being, oh, you're the person that does chocolate. Yeah. And I kind of want to be known more as a designer. Yeah. It just happens to make good chocolate bars. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there. <laughs>